Well, hello and welcome to the Darren Clarkson King podcast. I'm Darren Clarkson King, and those that listen to this podcast regularly will know that I'm a whitewater kayaker. I'm based in the Himalayas, although I'm in Snowdonia when I'm in the UK. And like I say, I'm a kayaker. This is COVID times, isn't it? This is like a COVID generation thing. So I'm in Snowdonia, and as I've said before, for those that listen, I've, you know, I'll bang a few out, especially these podcasts, uh, quite frequently. This podcast has got no agenda, really. It's not scripted. Nobody pays me to do it, so if I do mention products, it's because I've paid for them and because I like them and all that sort of stuff. Also, you guys that listen, guys, guys and girls that listen, will know that I always have coffee on the go, and today's no different. See? Another coffee there, look. Little syrup. Looking out my window in Snowdonia, the sky is blue, there's some little fluffy clouds in it, dancing around over Connect and the Mullowins, which is beautiful. Reminds me of an Orb song. What I thought I'd do today is I wanted to talk a little bit about an expedition that took place a couple of years ago, and it was an expedition that Pureland Expeditions, the company, ran. And this is not a, a name drop for the company, but well, I've got to mention it, otherwise you don't know how it happened. And we had a couple of customers, a couple of, you know, three customers, and uh, they wanted to ride vintage Royal Enfield motorcycles across Ladakh. And then one of them, a guy called Indy, for, you know, want of a better way to say his name, because... I don't need to say his real name, but people know him as Indy. Indy then wanted to paddle down the Zarap Chew, which is a really good, hard, box canyon type river. And that flows into the Zanskar and then into the Indus. So the journey started in Srinagar. And for those that know a little bit about Srinagar, we spent the first night on a houseboat in the middle of Dal Lake. Now these houseboats are like something out of British rule, even now. And that, that goes back to history when the Brits in Srinagar couldn't have land and lived on boats. They have amazing wood carvings, good food. Some of them are really run down. Most of them have got what I would call stereotypical British names. So you've got the Regency or the Royal. You might have the Imperial. You know, you might have the Churchill, which is quite apt, you know, to, uh, for this podcast. But you've got all these sort of names that epitomise Britishness, which, you know, I have issues with in India, but it is what it is. Early morning... Pre-dawn, you have an amazing flower market that you can, you know, get paddled out to on a little boat. You sit on these houseboats, people come along and sell you stuff, papier mache boxes, maybe wallets, maybe ice cream. Ice cream. Do you want ice cream off a, a boat in the middle of a lake? Probably not. You might get momos, little dumpling type foodstuffs, and you stay on the lake, and it's beautiful and for those that want to do a little bit of research into Srinagar, it's an amazing place and uh, heavily, heavily influenced by uh, Islamic traditions. 
Excuse me. In the centre of Schwinniger, there's supposedly Jesus's tomb. Now, I know that's contentious, and we can have a theological discussion, if we want, about Jesus in India. But this is not the place for it. This is a light-hearted podcast, but people can message me, and I'll point them into directions of this. I mean, the, the tomb may just be a, a little thing that's there because shopkeepers need some trade on Lonely Planet, put it in, and people go and buy sweets on the way to it. But this is Schrodinger, and it's an amazing place. It's seen its fair share of, curfew, of uh, military involvement and terrorism and curfew, but it is an amazing place. It's beautiful, alpine-style valleys. And the journey for the, on the Enfield starts in Schrodinger. As you ride out of Schrodinger, you go to Cargill. That's the road to, to, road to Leigh, you stop in Cargill. Cargill, for, Cargill the, sea, uh, the, the place of one of the most famous battles uh, between India and Pakistan. Again, this podcast is not about the dates. All you need to know is that the military that fought up there are insane. And Dras, especially, the town of Dras, is probably the coldest permanently inhabited place on the planet. And when you ride through it in August on your bike, it's still not exactly red hot. Now, can you imagine... Riding a vintage bike, throbbing. You've got your luggage on your panniers. Dust in your face. Every town and village you pass, you can smell amazing curries and you're stopping and drinking sweet chai. The ride into Cargill is a ride of beauty. Cargill itself, when I first visited Cargill on my way to Padlevazanskaya years ago, the town was... Uh, how can I put this politely the, the town was not seen as very safe for tourists but now as the years progress Cargill's got its own little tourist hub there's really nice uh, places to stay there's lovely places to eat uh, the market itself still feels a little bit stressful and as a foreigner you, you know you're a little bit isolated but that's natural I think and it's not normal for that that part of the world and as you come out of Cargill and you cross the beautiful rivers of the Surum and you head off on your bikes pop, 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 pop. you've got dust you've got a maybe a, a buff scarf around your face and if you're wearing an open-faced helmet your visor's getting full of dust because the roads are not super tarmac to have it not always and you're on the Enfield bike it's, it's just a beautiful sound I mean India, you know, vibrates to the sound of the Enfield, to the bullet especially. And I'm not talking about these Enfield Himalayan bikes that they've tried to, that they've made, which just look like some dirt cross. They're designed for the Himalayas, but because they've got computers and stuff on them, they're not super good. And uh, you're riding along. And if you've got a vintage bike, then your pedals are swapped round. And anyway, bop, 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 off you go. And your road takes you past amazing lunar landscapes in the high Himalayas. Moonland, you know, over near Lamaru, you know. And you come down and you come into Alchi, you know. And it's Alchi, for me, is a spectacular monastic community and village. 
There's a beautiful restaurant there on my Nilza called Alchi Kitchen where you can get a modern take on Ladakhi cuisine. The Indus, the turquoise blue Indus, floats alongside. And we always spend the night in Alchi on our way into Leh. And as we ride up, we ride, you know, we set off again in the morning, we ride up and the road's pretty good now and it twists and turns as it goes through the village of Nemu. Nemo is like a centralised little village uh, just outside Basgo. Basgo's got an amazingly historic and beautiful gompa where you can get namkin tea, you know, and salt butter tea. I mean, I don't expect to turn up there and be given it, you know, it's quite often there for the monks and it's, it's a beautiful place. And then you get to Nemo with its small bakery and it's world famous. I say world famous, I mean... You guys don't know about this probably until I mention it, whatever. An amazing samosa shop. And you've got monks hanging out eating samosas next to raft guides, next to people about the daily business, the dogs playing in the street, and you, you chug on on your bike, ba 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 ba. And you come up, big old twisty turns in the high Himalaya. No, you, you know, trucks passing you, decorated trucks passing you. Maybe you've got buses full of, you know, goats and crammed full of school kids waving as you ride past. Ba, 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 and I, you know, you feel it and it, it just grows, the passion grows. You drive past the sacred Guru Nanak temple. And there you can see the beautiful vista of the Indus with Leh perched to the left. Dropping down a gear. You come up those what I'd call alpine switchbacks and then you head into Leh. Maybe taking the left road that diverts off the road where the airport is and you take the left road past the military station and you come into the back of Changspa. And for the first time in days, you might have Wi-Fi. You might not because it's Leh and Leh doesn't have a really good Wi-Fi, but you might. And that's where you can hang out. You can stay in Changspa. You can stay in a number of places. It's maybe a traditional style home or a nice hotel. When you go to Leh, if you ever should, be careful. The water situation can be quite problematic in Leh. With the increase of tourism in Leh and people wanting showers all the time and flushing toilets, people are running out of water. The water comes from the glacier. And with glaciers receding and the more demand for water, the fields are suffering because people can't divert the water into the fields because tourism booms. So just be, be, be mindful of that. And after you spend a bit of time maybe acclimatising in Leh, because, you know, it's quite high, you know, elevation-wise, you're 3,400 metres. And then you set off again and you're going higher. You're going to go over the highest motorable road in the world on your end field. For me, my bike's quite old. I have, to, I have to take my air filter out and adjust my carb and you know some days I have to fix it with my Leatherman multi-tool because it's an old bike and it falls to bits quite a lot and I don't really know what I'm doing and luckily you know people that are on trips with me and guides that work with me and things like that know a lot more than I do but you drive up the car and your bike struggles to breathe like I say highest motorable world in the world the snow at the top most of the time. 
and you get to the top and there's a couple of cafes and there's always a couple of monks hanging out and there's loads of tourists taking pictures and having snowball fights and then you, you fall off down the other side and you maybe go to the village of Cardung and the vista of Nuba Valley opens up to you the Triamd Valley in Nuba where you've got the Seishin Glacier you've got the Karakoram Range you've got huge statues of Maitreya you've got monasteries you've got hidden caves the Dalai Lama's teacher Tilin Pusheh sits in a monastery in Sumo and it's a beautiful peaceful place with organic food and peace and quiet natural hot tubs for those that need a bath and a quiet and simplistic Buddhist life and before long you start your bike again and you ride back over the Takaidungla back into Leh a six or eight hour ride and back in Leh even though it's an isolated Himalayan town feels like a crazy crazy cosmopolitan metropolis and you can ride again you set off again on your bike on the highway to Manali making sure that you fill your tank and that you carry spare fuel on your panniers and you ride you ride past the Indus up into Pang to the nomadic camps of Pang and Whiskinala and Brandinala where you can get bread omelette or Maggie quick fix food there's no McDonald's and KFC in these places quick fix food to fuel your bellies as you ride again your fingers go numb because you know you've bought the wrong gloves you have to stand on your pegs of your bike as you ride on and you ride maybe you spend the night in Sarchu on the banks of the Zarapchu as we would do on our return journey but we're not there yet we're still riding and we ride on and we stop in Jisper and before we get to Jisper we have to ride through water that's up to our engines because the streams crossing the road have washed the road away and we just hope we don't flood our engines and we keep going and soon enough you reach Manali you come down from the Rotang Pass with holidaymakers taking selfies and people wearing traditional clothes and past the ski resorts and when I say ski resorts I mean these places have got ski suits hanging out from the 1970s and there's no skiing to be had not there anyway and you come down into Manali maybe you stay in old Manali there's a hotel there called Hotel Yes Please which is probably the best marketing name I've ever had for a hotel and you stay in Manali and you hang out and that's what we did that was the journey of a trip it takes about 10-12 days we sightseeing Alchi or Hemis or you know looking at the temples in Nubra hot tubs and the like 
and then me and Indy, we fueled our bikes again and we set off back over the Rotang, tired and blurry-eyed. And within a day from Manali, crossing over those high mountain passes, drinking sweet chai, we made it to Sarchu. And in Sarchu, we stayed in a tent camp with dal and rice and a tent. And we waited for the kayaks to arrive from there. And as the sun got low in the sky and the temperature dropped, the kayaks arrived. In the morning, we swapped our Enfields for our kayaks. We were joined by George Younger. And we got to the putting of the Zarapchu. Now those that know me know how much passion I have for the Zarapchu, how much faith and reverence I have for that river. It is a beautiful river. From the little monks in Puktal to egg and chips in Padam. And then you've got the Zanskar. And I've seen the Zanskar change and change rapids and the forms and the mental illusions of paddling its solo. And it is an amazing place. It is a place I will go back to as soon as possible. But on this day, we, like I say, we swapped our Enfields for our kayaks and we loaded our kayaks with sleeping bags and food and we set off into the belly of the earth, into the canyon of the Zarap. The noise of our Enfield, bup, 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 the steeds that had been our friends for the journey across from Srinagar were now gone. And we were left on this aquatic highway all the way back to Nemu, to that samosa shop we passed weeks before, to that bakery where I've had the best biscuits in the world and the most stale bread. And it is a journey fueled with, with ambition and passion. Thank you for listening, everyone. That was just me talking about one of the trips that I really enjoyed leading on. I really enjoyed the biking and I really enjoyed the kayaking on it. It was a three week trip in total. It was life changing for people on the trip and for the guides. It is, if you've got any questions, stick them in the comments of the podcast, fire them over to me on Facebook, I'll do what I can to answer them. I hope everyone's safe. I really do. I hope nobody's been a cockwomble and pissing about when we don't need to. We can flatten this curve, can't we, gang? We've got this. I know it's I know it's hard for some people. I know some people are loving it. I know some people are learning new skills and some people are sitting at home in the pyjamas watching Netflix. It's not a competition, gang. It is what it is. Smile, drink tea, have some biscuits. I'll catch you next time.